you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the League Podcast. Mrs. Wayne Fonts. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room full of heroes. Chris Wesseling, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and Kevin Patra. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. <laughs> well, that, that's not quite accurate because Kevin Patra is on the phone, but we're starting with him this week and, you know, might as well bring him in on the top of the show. Kevin, your first intro. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be a part of the, the, the intro this time. Yeah. Well, all, all you need to do to make the, this the, happen every week is have the Lions win the most crazy, awesome game possible. Yes. That, that, would, uh, that would work. I'm down for that. And we will, we're going to get to that game in a second. Uh, Wes, welcome back to you. Studio 66. Good you, to be back. You have a glow. I do? You. Yeah. A certain you gold a nice, hue. You had a nice weekend, didn't you? I had a lovely weekend. It was fantastic. There's a woman in your life. Yes. Yes. Okay, Rich, can you tell as a woman that Wes looks a little different? Wes, you came in, the top of the head was glowing, the face was glowing, <laughs> everything was glowing. Huh. So, yeah, a- I could tell a difference. You know, he was involved Seduction Friday. It feels like it's carried over. We have Seduction Thursday, Sunday. Seduction Friday, Seduction Saturday. The whole works, yeah. And, you know, now we'll see, Greg. Are you a little nervous, Greg, now that Wes is a man that had a great weekend that it might affect his edge as a football analyst? Mm. <laughs> no, I don't I don't take that approach. I mean, uh, if I, uh, I, like, I like seeing a happy Wes. Yeah. All right, good. I like it, too. I love it. I like blocked two people on Twitter today. <laughs> wow. That is that is, might be a record. All right, so that's good. Every, everyone's really excited. No one's more excited than Wes, but everyone's happy. Let us get going <laughs> with all of Sunday's Week 8 games. And as we said, we have Petra off the top uh, this week from Chicago because he watched the game of the week. Uh, Matthew Stafford's one-yard Plunge over a pile of linemen with 12 seconds to go. Lifted the Lions to a 31-30 comeback win over the Cowboys. A game in which Calvin Johnson uh, went ham and had 329 yards receiving. Second all-time. Patra, tell us all about this one. Uh, I mean, where to begin? Um, the Lions just shooting themselves in the foot with four turnovers. Uh, the Lions defense holding down Romo and basically causing Des Bryant to have a conniption on the sideline. Uh <laughs> Calvin Johnson catching nearly everything uh, for, for going on a historic day for 320. I mean, there was just so much. And then Matthew Stafford with his last drive was just impeccable. He made a 40-yard, he just threw a 40-yard dime to Chris Durham that really got set it up for a pass to Calvin. And then his uh, unexpected by pretty much everyone, uh, his dive over for, for the game winning. It was just the last minute was just ridiculous. I think, personally, that, you know, Dan Marino had the fake spike against my Jets in November 94, and that's famous. This was a a better fake spike to me, because if he gets stuffed at the goal line there, I think the clock runs out, doesn't it? On this, um, I I don't think so, because they would have probably had to review it, and then they would have probably had a 10-second runoff, so there might have been two seconds left. Mm, Fair. I I think that's how I read it. Um, 
but either way, I mean, it was a smart play because not letting everyone thought he was yelling, spike it, spike it, spike it. I was actually thinking in my back of my mind he could just go in and, and he just dove over the top. Luckily for him, he, he did get it. That was only his third most impressive play of that drive. Yeah, I, like I said, the, the, the Chris Durham throw to me was just spot on. It was exactly where it needed to be. Let him right out of bounds. Didn't take a lot of time. Well, and Patrick, either you or Wes, somebody set it up for me. What exactly were they facing there in that last? It was one. They had less than a minute, no timeouts, right? Right. Correct. Did, did you, Correct. Should Jason yards. Garrett take any heat at all for just running the ball? At the end of the game, when they got the ball back, it looked like it was over. They got their stop. They were celebrating like the game was over, but the Lions still had two timeouts. They run it three times, and Detroit gets the ball back. Well, well, the big, the thing, uh, one thing you have to take. There was a holding call on on the Cowboys that would have, if if that said that stopped the clock, Schwartz declined the penalty that set up the field goal. But it was like third and four. If the, if there wasn't that holding call that stopped the clock with a minute two left. There would have pro- the Lions would have only had about 20 seconds. So in that sense, and Dallas wasn't penalized much of the day, but that was that came, became a huge penalty. That was only their second penalty of the day, but it, it, it saved the Lions at 40 seconds. With that, Calvin Johnson, you know, he talked to reporters after the game. Number one, you mentioned this in your write-up. The guy was stopped inside the four-yard line, five-yard line, four times today, which hasn't happened in 12 years. And and one of them, I mean, at the one yard line, it's like every game he gets to like the one or two yard line. Ah, he stinks. He <laughs> well, no, he has a nat- last year that happened those, to him all the time. It's hilarious that it's like one of those things. Like, up, oh, he got inside the five again. Hmm. There it is. But he, he told just, he told reporters after that he saw one on one coverage for big chunks of this game. So you're talking Jason Garrett. What about Monty Kiffin? How do you <laughs> cover this guy one on one? They gave up 623 yards. I mean, this looks like it was a close game, and it was, but Patra mentioned the four turnovers. They had 623 That's yards compared to 268 for Dallas. The most Dallas has ever given up by 40 yards. Yeah. Hey, Fire Rob Ryan. Cover. <laughs> they what? tried a single cover, uh, Calvin, with Brandon uh, Carr, and it just didn't work early and it didn't work late. Um, and l- like I said, with the four turnovers, you have to understand also, those four turnovers are all committed in the Cowboys' territory. So Oof. these were th- these were plays that they should have the Lions should have scored on. This should not have been a close game. And on the on the Cowboys side of things, this is a devastating loss. I mean, they were four and three. They were staring at five and three, and instead, it's it's like the same old thing where they just can't put it together. And you know, the Des Bryant scene was really bad. I mean, we've how many fluff pieces have we read about how Des finally saw the light? And I know it's a in the heat of competition, things happen. But I thought, you know, that guy's got to get it together and realize that people are not only going to have the cameras on him, but that's now going to be something he gets asked about for seven straight days. Who cares? It's a non-issue. Who cares? I'm with I Dion. Care. I'm with Dion on this <laughs> one. I don't, you guys on top of your mountaintops telling me who cares. I care. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're Damashek. Yeah, you're, you're on the mountaintop with the high horse saying, oh, this is terrible. They're arguing on the sideline. He, he's the best thing about the Dallas Cowboys. And, and I'm sure Tony Romo doesn't want to get yelled at or the coach doesn't, but I'm sure they don't really care that much in the heat of the moment. They know that's all it is. My biggest problem with Tony Romo isn't the last-minute interceptions. It's that he plays too cautiously. If mm. Des Bryant is double-covered, Romo won't throw it to him. And I think that's an issue with that team. Two things, two things I'll say on that. One, it seemed like half the people were ignoring him the first rant he went on anyway, so I'm not sure that they really cared about it. <laughs> two, I, really, I, kind of, I agree with Wes because I was astonished by how many times Romo didn't even look look 
Dez's way in the first half, especially. I, I made a joke that I thought he was, he thought Rasheed Mathis was De- Darrell Rivas or something. He wasn't even looking that way. How many lost? One drive, it was three incomplete passes to Terrence Williams that weren't even close. And he didn't even look at Dez on any of them. It's crazy how many losses Jason Garrett has had like this in his career. Yeah. Baltimore last year is one that comes to mind. It's just crazy how many losses the Cowboys have had. It's like going to catch up to him. You have to think if this happens again and he ends and they miss the playoffs, it will be the end of the road for Garrett. And these type of losses, how you miss the playoffs? You know, Patron, you're right up. You opened it up saying that Stafford obviously went against his critics today by beating a good team, which he hasn't done. You know, in terms of records, but are the Cowboys a good team? I mean, we, we we thought so coming in, which was a big thing, a mental thing to, for him. I, I do. I mean, are they a good team? Are they going to make the playoffs? Look at look at that division. Do you, do you think that the uh, previously zero and six New York Giants are coming back to take the division? <laughs> I think the Cowboys are a good team. Some weeks. That. I have a quick stat. I think most stats, like after the game, they <laughs> they kind of explain what happened, but they're not that that surprising. The one on Calvin Johnson that Randy Moss has one career two hundred yard game. Calvin Johnson has six in his last twenty-seven games. Wow, that like it made me rethink the Randy Moss versus Calvin Johnson kind of comparison. How many? He's got more three hundred-yard games this year than Alex Smith. Yes. Now we're taking shots at you, Chiefs fans, when it's not even your team. <laughs> Unfair. Uh, all right. He, he out. He. I, re- I read he out. Uh, he outgained uh, like eleven teams combined teams today. Wow. Pretty good. I think he had a good day. Kevin Patrick, you had a good day, too. Congratulations on the win, and thank you for uh, joining us, as always. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Podcast on track to go 186 <laughs> minutes right now. <laughs> that was a great game, though. Was that, it was a great That's game. right there, I think, with the Cowboys. Another uh, heartbreaking loss, Cowboys-Broncos, as the game of the year. It's so funny that you say that, yeah, because Dallas has been on the losing end of both of those. Okay, let's move on, and we'll go through all the rest of the games this week. Uh, we start in Denver where Peyton Manning overcame four turnovers and the Broncos scored the last 38 points Sunday in a come-from-behind 45-21 win over the Redskins. Uh, Wes, you watched this game. What did you take from it? Uh, the Broncos' pass defense, which is must, much maligned, you know, they were 32nd in the league, hit RG3 at least 15 times today, knocked him down repeatedly in the second half, knocked him out of the game, Forced him to his lowest passer rating of his career and his lowest yards per attempt. Von Miller had an impact this week. Broncos' pass defense looked good, and RG3 uh, looked as bad as I've seen him. Wow. Uh, throwing the ball or just overall decision-making? How did he look bad? I would say decision-making and throwing. He, he does look quicker than he did earlier in the year, but uh, his passing was awful today. He held the ball too long. He missed a lot of open receivers, didn't even see them. RG3 finished with 132 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions, and came out of the game late with an injured knee. Not the surgically surgically repaired knee, uh, but I guess it appears he'll be okay. But still, yeah, a terrible day for him. They went into the fourth quarter with a lead. The final score was 45-21. to There was a 31 to nothing fourth quarter. That's, they had a 38 to nothing run. Is that a record? 31 to nothing in the fourth quarter? <laughs> It's a little bit like what happened when the Broncos played the Redskins in the Super Bowl reversed. That was a yeah, 35-point second quarter. The Redskins were up 21-7, to and it all happened over a five-minute span to close out the, the second quarter and open up the third quarter. And it was all basically Broncos' errors. Hmm. They, they scored a touchdown. They would have had a field goal to end the half, but they scored a touchdown because the Broncos had too, men, too many men on the field. And then they opened up 
the second half with Peyton Manning lost a fumble that put him on the doorstep of the end zone and then a pick six. So the offense wasn't responsible for much of this at all. We heard before the game that Peyton Manning had two sprained ankles, one of them being a high sprain, which you typically don't see a guy just roll out into the field later this afternoon when that's the case. What, how did he look? He looked like Peyton Manning. So you're not buying the injury update here? Look. <laughs> I heard he had three sprains. It was very strange. This is either well, this the, was a respected report. This is okay. either the least severe ankle sprain in history, and they gave him drugs that they should probably be giving to the rest of us just for courtesy's sake. All right, let's move on. Uh, the Speaking of uh, big runs at the end of the game, the Patriots fell behind 17-3 at the half to the Dolphins on Sunday, but they scored the game's final 24 points in picking up a 27-17 win. Another poor statistical game for Tom Brady, but they were able to still take care of the Dolphins, who have now lost four straight after that 3-0 and start. Listen, I watched this game. Brady actually had 25 yards passing and a pick at the end of the second quarter. Uh, they were booing at Gillette Stadium, um, and things just didn't look good. It all changed in the third quarter. Uh, Tannehill and Mike Wallace couldn't connect on a pass. Uh, when the Dolphins were marching back in for another score, Tannehill takes a sack. Uh, Sturgis misses a field goal. And then over the next 107 seconds, the Patriots put up 14 points, and they never look back. So, you know, Jeff Ireland, and I wrote this in the piece, he better be, he's probably very happy he signed that extension before all this stuff went down because the Dolphins are in trouble all of a sudden. It's more money for Jeff Ireland. doesn't necessarily mean he's going to have a job next year. I mean, well, just because you signed. I'm just saying... The Dolphins have to win some games, and positive things need to happen for them, or else there could be changes in the offense. Could you get an extension and then get fired before the first year that extension kicks in? Sure. Why not? He that wouldn't f- be unprecedented. He can get fired today. I mean, he got fired last... last He'll never be fired. Let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> what an amazing turn this season took for Miami, because they, they opened 3-0, and and the talk, even in this room, was, you know, this is the one time when all... A wild off-season spree of free agent spending works. These guys are playing well <laughs> on both sides of the ball. We were talking about Brent Grimes. We were so excited. And then look at four losses later. These guys play the Bengals on Thursday night in what essentially is a game to save their season. They're not a terrible team. They're in each game. They've been playing fairly good teams, and, and they're in the game, and they have the lead, and they find a way to lose. And there's something in that DNA when it started steamrolling in the second half that the Patriots who have had a lot of come-from-behind victories. They haven't been pretty this year. They had a fourth-quarter comeback against Buffalo. They did it against New Orleans. They did it against Miami. They've won a lot of close games. They they believed they were going to win this, and Miami, it was just like they shrunk from the moment. Greg, I know you got to watch a little of this game. Um, Brady, he basically was he saved himself from about $6 million what's wrong with Tom Brady think pieces this week. <laughs> but are you still worried about him, his play so far this season? He hasn't been great this year. I've written about it a lot. He hasn't been one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league or he hasn't anything like that. He's been one of the 15 best quarterbacks in the league. Ouch. Is he AD? Hold on, on a minute. Side? Hold on. He hasn't. If you watch the game and forget about what his name is, he's been missing throws all year. Which side of AD is he on? Oh, of course you're taking him. Previous seasons matter. Yeah, the AD is different, and I'm so confused by AD. By the way, it's very confusing <laughs> at this point. AD is after sure Dalton. We'll get to him a little later. It's a very later. simple concept. All right, we'll get into it. I'm expecting the Patriots' offense to come around, but it, it's been slow to do so, and uh, it, that is worrisome. I, I like the fact that they've 
found a way to win these types of games, though, and the defense hasn't totally fallen apart well, despite the injuries. Two key losses, by the way, on each side. For the Dolphins, wide receiver Brandon Gibson. Uh, Albert Breer reported that he has a torn patellar tendon, or they believe he does, probably a season-ending injury. And Patriots starting right tackle Sebastian Volner. Uh, Volmer was carted off the field with what looked like a broken leg, so I don't think we're going to see either of those guys again. That's a, that's a massive loss for New England. You could, If you're coming up with a list of their best players, Volmer, Mayo, and Wilfork are in the top six overall on the team going into the year, and now they might be without all three of them. The uh, making the leap curse has spread to the Patriots' star players. They're, they're going down at once a week. <laughs> it's true. All right, moving forward. Uh, to London we go. Crikey. Um, Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> They're not going to Melbourne. Well, listen, it's, you know, I'm not so sure about it. Uh, Colin Kaepernick playing well uh, through and ran well, and the Niners marched over the Jaguars uh, 42-10 at Wembley Stadium. Uh, you know, Mark, you watch this game. Is there anything that you took out of it? You pretty much summed it up. <laughs> All right, no, moving no. on. You know uh We've talked about the Niners as a team that has kind of heated up on offense week after week. They've won five in a row, and it was Greg Roman who told Mike Silver earlier this week, we're going to peak at the right time. Well, I don't know if it was Sunday they were hoping to do that because they looked utterly unstoppable, especially running the ball. They just seemed to completely dominate the line of scrimmage. But against it's Jacksonville, and it's easy to just pile on the Jaguars. But one thing that really disturbs me about Let's Jacksonville— do it more. Well, because there, there is something, because Gus Bradley, if anything, knows how to build a defense, and it's so clear they just don't have the horses on any level, because especially at, the, at their linebacker group, they could do nothing today to shut down Gore. And it wasn't just Gore, it was Kendall Hunter, and we saw Kaepernick running the ball more, even more than last week, and it was, just, it was impressive with the level of domination. And they a, had their way. In a season where there haven't been a lot of uh, dominant running backs, Gore has been an exception. He's having a really great season. Greg, you like to call him the inconvenient truth. Uh, you know, I, he he's much better than anybody ever realizes, I feel like, and he just continues uh, to pour it on this year. Wait, one game that I – or one play that I think that people will love to watch if you have um, access to the coach's film, and it was hard to see on the actual television screen. And if you don't, Mark, Mark will send you a stipend – to get access. <laughs> I, will, I will give you or access. Or you'll write about it Wednesday on what no, we I'll just, I'll just give them my Send email the and my password. Yeah. All right. It, it, you know, that's probably the more logical way all to right, go. go ahead. All right. So they had a play that uh, were basically Bruce Miller, their fullback, right? They're all bunched up in the middle of the field, and he trots off to the sideline as if he is to go get a cup of Gatorade or something, and then bang, snaps the ball, hits Miller, he goes 43 yards, and there's no one around him. Mm. He said that later was called the big sleeper. Wow, it's the name of the play. Just I like the, the movie. Why, why use it against the Jaguars? I feel like they didn't, they didn't need to do anything. <laughs> That's today. a fair point. So the 49ers offense, the passing offense, it seems like they've had, what, three different versions this year. They start out, they want Kaepernick to pass. Then they take the reins off him and turn him into Alex Smith. And now over the last couple of weeks, they're going pistol. Well, they're listen, I think them up. they are in the next two to three weeks going to get both Mario Manningham and Crabtree back. I think what they probably said was, listen, let's, let's go with our strength and see where it takes us. And they've been able to just run the ball hey, and not even worry about look, the passing game. we're the 49ers. Game. We can do whatever we want. Bottom line. <laughs> in a league where every game is close, 70% of games have been within one score in the fourth quarter this year. The Jaguars have not had one game. They're 0 for 8 
where they haven't even been close to within one score in the fourth quarter. They have the third worst point differential at this point in the season of any team in NFL history. And one last thing. In the last two games, they've given up 66 points, 832 yards, and 379 rushing yards and forced one turnover and had one sack. Um, Have a nice day. The last point on this, uh, and I would love a one-word answer, yes or no, from all you guys, including Carriage behind the glass. Jags are 0-8. 0-16, yes or no? Chris? I've been saying for a few weeks that 0-16, they don't deserve a win. That was 17 words. One word, yes or no? No. No. Oh, yes. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, hang on. I forget how you phrase this. Will the Jaguars <laughs> go 0 and 16? Wes. Yes. Mark. No. Greg. No. K. Rich. No. All right. What about you? No. They'll win. They'll beat somebody. We'll see, though. All right, moving on. Oh, this was a great <laughs> game. Definitely was not a great game. Josh Brown kicked career high. Five field goals. Eli Manning played error free, and the Giants beat the Eagles 15 7. Sorry, K. Rich. Greg, you were tasked with watching this slosh fest. Tell us about it. Well, if you like the Cowboys' 17-3 win over the Eagles last week, you're going to love this field goal fest. I mean, no touchdowns, not a lot to talk about. Eli Manning protected very well, made a lot of nice plays on third down. Michael Vick can't stay healthy, and they have a big quarterback problem because Nick Foles has a concussion. Foles, I mean, Vick uh, popped his hamstring, he said, he doesn't think it's as bad as the last time he got injured, but he might be out a couple weeks. And they're three and five, and they've scored three points on offense in the last two weeks combined. You know this this Vic thing at this point. How many years does the same thing have to happen over and over again, where a team, you know, gets in bed with Vic, and then he he gets hurt, and, or maybe he's a little ineffective, and the team's struggling, and then he gets hurt, and he comes back and gets hurt. I'm just I'd be so sick of it. I wouldn't want him anywhere near my team. At this What's point. this last year with the Eagles? You know, Chip Kelly had a series of. <laughs> sort of bizarre decision. You know, and before the season with Chip Kelly, it's the man is smarter than everyone in the room. He doesn't need to actually explain his answers because he's just <laughs> so high up there above all the rest of us. He had smoothies. Smoothies. Everything he does is so, you know, beyond the pale beautiful. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit annoyed with the fact that actually he just fundamentally did not coach a good football game today. Well, he made a lot of unorthodox decisions that did not work out. He Instead of kicking a 50-yard field goal, he went for it on 4th and 9. That didn't work. Then later in the game, it's 4th and 4 on midfield, down two scores in the 4th quarter, and he doesn't go for it. He punts. Then it's 4th and 20. He does go for it. There was just a lot of odd decisions today. But see, when he does it, it's unorthodox. <laughs> if someone else did it, it would be they're just a bad coach. Look, it's not working right now. They're... It's not just Michael Vick. I mean, the entire offense isn't working at all right now. Are the Giants the team to beat in the NFC East? <laughs> this week. Seriously. Are I mean, they? This no. is the worst two-game winning streak maybe of all time. These have been... What about Peyton I'm Hillis? not saying they are. I'm just asking they have a, they, are. they have a few things to build off. The passing game was better today. Granted, it was against the Eagles, but it was better. They've stopped the run pretty well. Hey, that Peyton Hillis backfield, you know? It's a good team for Get him. It. I mean, when you got Peyton Hillis and John Connor in the same backfield, it's like you have eight offensive linemen on the field. Watch out. An embarrassment of riches. No, no, no. It's, it's, listen, Peyton Hillis, and, he, deser- he belongs with the Giants. I like it. Uh, Mark, come on. Just let it go. All right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, and, you know, the one, uh, one thing I'll say also, and Greg, we talked about it downstairs. I'm not, uh, to borrow a Damashek phrase, uh, you know, all that college football hokum. I, I'm not really a big college guy. So I, I, don't, I never like the idea of uh, uh, a big college coach coming in and everyone telling me that this college coach is going to take over the NFL and change the way people think. 
eat it, Chip, Chip Kelly, because oh, you didn't. Way premature. Not, way you couldn't too premature. Do it. Everyone thought that you were going to do it, let's, and you didn't do it. Let's wait till he at least gets his own guys. <laughs> Matt Barkley has played most of the last two games for them, or a lot of it. A quarter of last game, three quarters of this game. I mean, <laughs> look not, at the results. How many teams are going to win with their third string quarterback? Well, but, at this point, you could hide behind that. But he wasn't doing much before this. Come on. This team is not, they have not revolutionized football. They have we were, a very bad we defense, and their offense broke records over the first four or five weeks. The one thing I'd be concerned about is there a offense that doesn't have much variation at all week to week, and you do wonder if defenses are catching up a little bit to what they do and finding a good way to stop them. Is Kelly now in the same situation Reed was down the stretch last year in terms of, um, I got Michael Vick sitting here, but he's probably not going to be here next year, and I need mm. to take a close look at Nick Foles and Barkley and figure out what do we do from here. No, no. So well, you the, play NF- Vick. the NFC East is so bad, the Eagles could be in first place in a week or two, Yeah, and and honestly, I don't think that Foles is that good. Get a guy healthy. I mean, they're not available. J.G. Kinney might be starting this week next Keep game. Keep making excuses I, for I'm Chippy. I'm throwing out J. <laughs> is it G.J. Kinney? There's someone named Kinney on the Eagles that was a quarterback. <laughs> and Vic's not healthy. Foles isn't healthy. I mean, they don't have any Greg's options. out of his seat. All right. Well, two more stats before we move on. Uh, Philly has now lost 10 straight home games, which is actually kind of hard to fathom. And uh, the Giants snapped an eight-game road-losing streak today. So, good job, G-Men. All right, moving on. Uh, Drew Brees threw five touchdown passes. And uh, the Saints, you know, not a game that they dominated all the way through, but ultimately they pulled away for a 35-17 win over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Uh, I watched this game. You know, it wasn't really much for me to take out of it. The, the Saints are a much better team than the Bills, especially at home, where they're going to be hard to be- any- for anybody to beat them this year. Certainly isn't going to be the Bills. Um, and the one guy on the Saints that jumped at two, two guys with the Saints. First of all, Jimmy Graham uh, did not play a ton. He had three catches, of course, uh, two touchdowns of the three catches. He played one snap in the second half, and he scored a touchdown in that one snap. So he's not healthy, but if he's on the field, he scores. Uh, the other guy that jumped out to me for the Saints was Kenny Stills. Uh, he was, I believe, the 17th wide receiver taken in the draft, and this is a guy who has a ton of potential in this offense. Uh, he had three catches for 127 yards and two touchdowns today. Uh, he is a potential real deep threat for Drew Brees going forward. And they're 6-1, and one, and Sean Payton told the team afterwards, you know, don't be too excited being bowl eligible. I, I guess the point was, okay, we're, cl- we're probably going to win this division or we're in good shape to make the playoffs, but they're a team that is going to have a chance to be the number one seed in the NFC. By the way, keep an eye on Drew Brees as a sleeper candidate in the MVP race. Um, Peyton Manning still is the faraway leader, but Brees is having another monster season, and he's going to be the quarterback of a team that went from out of the playoffs to 13 or 14 wins. Don't they just need to have a Peyton Manning award and then have an MVP race for the rest of the league behind them? It's fair. I feel like I didn't see this game, but you would probably describe Thad Lewis as adequate for the third week in a row. You know, he actually, to his credit, they came out in the read option, and he took a crushing hit. Uh, and they threw the read ap- option out the window for the most part after that. And he kind of had a deer in the headlights look early, in, you know, basically for most of the first half. Then he made some plays. They they kind of stayed in the game until until the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I'd give him a, a B minus. It wasn't anything where it's like 
you're not going to start a quarterback controversy, but he he's basically done more than I think a lot of people would have expected to this point. He's been sacked 13 times in three games. I think he's tougher than people realized out of the gate. He keeps getting he gets injured and he keeps coming back in. Did they really miss C.J. Spiller the way this offense is built this week, or did you notice a big difference with Fred Jackson in there or not? It, missed him all season. Yeah, I think they even well, no, when he's I, been. He, that's what I mean. He's really not been. That's, himself that's why all it's kind of hard because you don't even know. You know, even when he's been in, he hasn't been in. But, yeah, I think maybe that would have made the game more competitive if a healthy spiller was in. But the Saints are just a much better team. And I don't think Doug Marone is going to be upset about the effort level this week. I think they, they played competitively, but they're just not going to do it. I might be a little in upset. In that building. All right. That's fair. All right. Speaking of a little upset, Mark, uh, the Cleveland Browns are officially in trouble. Uh, Alex Smith threw for 225 yards and two touchdowns. And the Chiefs held off the Browns uh, in a 23-17 win uh, to remain the NFL's lone undefeated team at 8-0. Mark, you watched this game. You were very silent and intense, but now you can talk about it. It was like a little bit of a hard game to sum up because Kansas City, for the first like 15, 16 minutes of this thing, looked dominant. I mean, it was exactly what Andy Reid drew up in his dreams at night when, it, when he looked at what he had on this, te- this team. They came out and just stomped Cleveland. They had 13 first downs before Cleveland had its first first down. Yikes. That's how bad it was. But then Jason Campbell, you know, you know listen, he hasn't practiced with the team and he has, <laughs> certainly hasn't played with them, started to heat up. And I think what, what yeah. it spoke to for Get me... hot, baby. Well, here's the thing. Josh Gordon, who's been listening to trade talk for a month, amid you know, reports that the guy's not trying has his third 100-yard game of the season. He's their best player, and it, he's done this with three different quarterbacks. It doesn't matter who's in there. He produces. He, Kansas City couldn't stop him. And then Jordan Cameron got heated up, and Cleveland came back into this thing. And then on the other side, Alex Smith got sacked six times. Cleveland's defense was awful early. I mean, they looked as bad as I've seen them all season. And they made it close at the end. And so I come away almost not knowing what to think about Cleveland, but also Kansas City, because you know what? I know they're going to roll into the playoffs with a 13-3 and record, and they're going to get stomped. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just feel that way. I don't, I think that, they're, that's they're, across the board, I think, in this room now. We're all of the same belief. Well, I think it's a great season by Reed, and it's a nice job by Alex Smith, but something just isn't there. Well, why look ahead so far? I a mean, loss. They have two games against the Broncos. they got to see if they can win the AFC West. If there was a second today where we thought Denver might lose, and I started thinking... Wow, Chiefs might have a chance to really win this division. I mean, you never know. Speaking of, you didn't know like who this team is. The Chiefs haven't given up more than 17 points in a game yet. They're only the fourth team since 1970 to do that in the first eight weeks of the season. And then you balance that out by looking at the quarterbacks they've played. Yeah. It's almost right. all backups. Hmm. Well, they and they have. In, I don't want to say, oh, they've been lucky on the schedule because they've. Go, it's hard to beat anyone. They've gone out and they've done it. But you're right. They had Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then listen, they had Terrell Pryor, who frankly has been a, a nice surprise. And then last week they go out and oh, play we'll get Case to that, Keenum. Wes. Case Keenum last week, <laughs> who also I think played well against them, but it, it's his first game there. So and you're I think right. They have Thad Lewis next week. They do. And they also played Jacksonville. I you guess, can say it. They've been lucky on well, the schedule. It's I okay. Guess my Why point is, that doesn't hurt, but they've won these games. They're a little bit like the Panthers. They haven't played anybody that you'd really be impressed with, so it's hard to know who they are, but you have to credit them a little bit for beating the teams that but, have been on their schedule. Fair or unfair to say Jason Campbell is not the reason the Browns lost this game. No, he certainly is not. And it's another yeah, indication, I think, that Cleveland 
if they don't blow this thing up, is not, and I'm not just saying this as someone who is a Browns fan, it's that when we've had good quarterback play, i.e. anyone other than Brandon Whedon, they've been competitive. So it's like if they can find that guy, and I don't think that's Jason Campbell on any level beyond the next couple of games, for next season and beyond, they're an interesting team. Okay, let's move forward. Wes, we have a problem, Wes. Uh, Terrell Pryor (laughs) ran for 93 yards on the first play from scrimmage. (laughs) That is the longest run by a quarterback in the history of the NFL, and the NFL's been around a while. Uh, The Raiders uh, won uh, following a bye week for the first time since 2002, beating the Steelers 21-18. Wes. Will Chris Wessling eat his softball pants? That's my question to you. <laughs> I think I'm going to end up eating my softball pants with Sean Sweesom getting a healthy portion of them. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait, is it so? So you're, you're changing your mind. To eat, to, for anyone just tuning into the program, Wes has promised to eat his softball pants if the Raiders win six games this year. At the beginning of the year, that looked like a crazy prediction. And well, now a, a mighty band of overachieving <laughs> guys in the black hole are getting it done. And we stick to our promises, let's guys. Set, oh, we do, because we're men. Let the record show. <laughs> we're crystal, a woman. Let the record show that this whole thing was born out of our Making the Leap series where Mark told me that Dennis Allen would win six games this year. At the time, Matt Flynn was the starting quarterback, and I said, if the Raiders win six games, I'll eat my softball pants. Right. We didn't know that Terrell Pryor was going to quarterback, nor did we know that he Terrell was on Pryor the roster. Was, wait a minute. And no, by but the you way, escalated it. You, you had many you chances to get out. You weren't looking at Terrell Pryor, and <laughs> wow, no one was. Wow. You're backing <laughs> yeah. off it? He was on the <laughs> roster. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I'm not backing off this. But I haven't no, backed off of it yet. <laughs> you weren't scared of Terrell Pryor, and no one else was in No, August. I'm not, but I think the uh, narrative has changed now that he oh, makes yes, them a different changed. team. Yeah. It's changed. By not, the way, none Rich, of us picked the Raiders. What happened here? By the way, K. Rich glowing behind the glass. By the way, because she all she wants to do is film some type of segment whereby Chris eats pants. Oh, guys, and it's coming. My question is: Are we getting ready to dip them in the sauce, Wes? Yes, I think they're going to have to go in marinade. Oh, the marinade. What win- do they have? Winnable games coming up? They- oh yeah, they're playing the. I think they're hosting the Eagles next week. That's a very winnable game. Sorry, K. Rich. I know you're going to mix mm. loyalties there. What are you hoping <laughs> for in that result? Obviously, I'm hoping for my team. But any little step we can get closer to West eating the pants, I'm okay with. And then they go to the Giants the week after that. All these AFC West teams, by the way, are lucking out because they're playing the NFC East out of division. Racking up a lot of wins. Just going to throw this out there. My two coaching making the leap candidates wanted to go off the grid with the players. <laughs> picked Allen, who if they win next week, they're four and three, which literally no one on planet Earth thought would happen, including myself. Four and four. Four and four. And then Rob Ryan. A little bit of surprise down in New Orleans. Bad Santa. All right. So <laughs> congratulations, Mark. What about the game, though? Oh, you want to know yeah. what happened in the game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the Steelers didn't really get off the bus until the third quarter started. Uh, Terrell Pryor started with the 93-yard run. McFadden looked great. The two of them were playing off of each other really well. Lamar Houston and C.O. Moore were really anchoring the Raiders' defense, harassing Roethlisberger, shutting down Le'Veon Bell. And then the third quarter starts, and the Steelers just dominated from there on. Uh, Greg was keeping a running count of how many series the Raiders were going. They had they're not, The last nine series of the game, they had one first down. The Steelers shut him down, but it was too little too late because Sean Sweesom missed two chip shot field goals that were the difference in the game. And this is one of the tightest games you can have statistically. They were separated by two seconds in time of possession, three total yards, and three points. How did we all get this so wrong? We, we all picked the Steelers, and I think we all were 
surprised by it. What did what went wrong with the Steelers? Uh, the run defense wasn't there in the first half, and they couldn't move the ball. Todd Haley's play calling once again is open for debate, and uh, the Steelers seem to be, they seem to really confuse Big, Big Ben in the first two quarters. Pryor is such a crazy player because you hear everything about quarterback position is all about making the right reads and doing this. You know, you have to win from the pocket, and and that's all true. But then there's a game like this where their offense was stymied for more than half the game, yet the couple crazy plays he made, the run, a third down throw that he made, that's basically the difference because he made those he's, plays and no one else can. He's like a early career Michael Vick where he's the best athlete mm-hmm. on the field. And if you notice this especially if you've watched him all year on third downs. It's hard for a defense to stop a quarterback like that on third downs because you're in man coverage. And you go out to cover your men – a couple of guys rush the passer, and then Pryor just takes off and runs for the first down. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Will Chris Wesley <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Yes, you that know this is well. making me so happy right now. <laughs> wow. Before we move on. We were attempting to move on. They are on pace. They are well above their pa- the pace. Um, all right, moving on. This, uh, I'd like to get over this hump as fast as possible, <laughs> but we need to discuss it. Andy Dalton threw a career-high five touchdown passes, four of them to Marvin Jones, and the Bengals beat up on the Jets 49-9 on Sunday in Cincinnati. Um, listen, <clears throat> the, J- the Jets, this was a... This is a team that's been afraid of success all season. They have not had a two-game winning streak. Uh, but I thought this was going to be a close game. I thought the Jets' defense would give Andy Dalton problems. I think I had some people in this room that agreed with that notion on Friday. And instead, Jay Gruden outcoached Rex Ryan to the to the degree that you wouldn't even believe. This game was over by the end of the first quarter. And, you know, the Jets, this is a loss that that is going to be hard for them to recover from, if you ask me. I feel like... It's hard to take them seriously as any type of playoff team when you get beat up this bad. It really shoots a hole in uh, Damashek's nepotism theory. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> I think <laughs> Dave right. said. Yeah, I think we were talking about Jay Gruden and whether he was competent or not. And they the, the Jets were confused all day. Uh, Dalton was going downfield with accuracy. I mean, this was a complete pasting. Doesn't this remind you of another Jets loss though during the Rex Ryan era? Uh, yeah, I think. Are you referring to the Patriots' loss in two thousand five to three? And what happened after that? That was a better Jet team, I think, a much better Jet much team. Much better. Um, and they kind of ran into a buzzsaw. This, I, yeah. Listen, th- do I think that the Bengals are a forty nine nine team over the Jets every time they play? No, but this was a really ugly game. And then I'll, I will give you one stat as we hop aboard the Geno coaster. This loss was not on him; it was more on the defense which had no pass rush in the secondary, which got torched. Um, and, uh, Antonio Cromartie has not been the same guy since he hurt his knee in practice three weeks ago. D. Milner wasn't even competitive. He got benched in the second quarter. That is Oof. a first-round pick. Um, and then you have Geno Smith, who uh, threw two pick sixes in the second half. The game was 28-3 by then, but still, you can't, do those, you can't have those mistakes week after week. And his record now after Jet wins this season is 0-4 with one touchdown and nine interceptions. So... You know, it's just bad all around. Dan, you got some grief in the in the newsroom from my boss, all of our bosses, on uh, <laughs> you being harsh on the Jets and how embarrassing it was. And you said that actually you were holding back, that you had to delete some of the vitriol that yeah. was on the page that sounded too much like an angry homer. 
I want to hear <laughs> what that vitriol was. Well, they kind of the basically my point was was this was the loss, not just the any loss, the type of loss that could really uh, destruct a season. I think it has that type of ability because it completely knocks the wind out of their sails. It's that great win over the Patriots last Sunday. It's like it never happened now, and now you have to go and face uh, Drew Brees, and you know. If they get wiped out then and they go into their bye, all of a sudden they're kind of close to where a lot of people maybe thought they were, were going to be at four and five. Still a little overperforming, but, you know, <clears throat> they just had a lot of momentum and they, and they blew it. And a lot of that has to go back to Rex Ryan, who I think is on, on pace to keep that job. But when you have your team get outplayed this badly in this type of spot, it, it does reflect on the head coach. You know, we talked about this being the game of the week on the last podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Jeez. Well, no, in the sense right. that you've got two teams in the AFC that we're not sure about, right? Especially over on Cincinnati's side with Andy Dalton. An easy target who actually we all know has played really, really well over the last three or four games. They went out and took care of business. Yeah. Five touchdown passes for Dalton, four of them to Marvin Jones. This offense is not a mirage. And, yeah, and Andy Dalton deserves his due. The Bengals in general deserve their due because I feel like you know, they kind of keep going under the radar, even though they're now 6-2. and two. Dalton, is, in his last three games, uh, has thrown for 11 touchdowns, one interception. He's thrown for over 1,000 yards, yards in the last three games. Um, after that little slump, he, he's gotten better. And I was asking Wes about the AD. Does this move him or does this change AD or scale at all? Which was an explanation. What is the explanation of AD again, Wes? AD is after Dalton. Any quarterback ranked <laughs> over him is not a solution. He's, or any quarterback ranked behind him is not a solution. He's a problem. Right. And to me, that's the beauty of the after Dalton scale. It's, it slides back and forth, and we had that in mind when we created it. That he wasn't <laughs> always going to be the 24th ranked quarterback. He might be the 16th, but I doubt he'll ever be higher than that. How many more games does he have to put together before this messes up the whole scale, though? I mean, he has to do this in the postseason. Okay, he ha- Fair. We've seen this the last two years. He has good statistical games in the first half Fair. and at midseason, and he totally craters down the stretch. So we need him to show us that he's that guy. All right, moving on. Uh, Andre Ellington rushed for 154 yards on 15 carries, including an 80-yard touchdown run. And the Cardinals intercepted Matt Ryan four times in a 27-13 win over the Falcons. Greg? I don't know. Something about these Cardinals. Last two times Matt Ryan's played him, he got picked off five times last year in November. The Falcons still won that oh, game. Yeah. And then four times this year, although a couple of them were late in just desperate situations. The Cardinals' defense, Wesseling spoke about it the other day. I think he's believed in them even more than me. They're, they have to be one of the most underrated groups. It was one of the most dominant performances of any defense I've seen this year. They gave up a few red zone trips early, but after that, they stuffed Steven Jackson. Matt Ryan had more rushing yards than Steven Jackson. They, they rushed for 27 yards total. Calais Campbell had a huge game. Darrell Washington had a big game. Tyron uh, Matthew had a big game. Everyone made plays for that team, and it was just a dominant performance, and they couldn't get any pass rush on Carson Palmer, and they're 4-4. Four and four. They're, they're a team, I think, that deserves to be 4-4. Four and four. I know you think I'm picking on this quarterback, but the Cardinals' defense also looked good because they got to play against Matt Ryan and the Falcons. I don't think. I think he's played great all season. He has, but they're not the same offense without Roddy White and Julio Jones. And I know people want to point to the Buccaneers game against a quitting defense and say he played great, 
But this isn't the same as playing a real defense. Well, who? Ex- I never expected them to be the same defense without those two guys. And this is really the first game other than that Bucks game that that's been the case. I don't expect them to be particularly good. I think they have one of the worst five defenses in the league. And they're going to have to have everything go right on offense to score a lot of points and win games. And he made some bad decisions today. 18 targets for Harry Douglas. Wow. Although Harry Douglas a week ago, and listen, we didn't when they beat the Bucks. The Bucks were at that point one of the seen one of the better defenses in football. We've seen since that they've crumbled to some degree. But aren't the Falcons now in this group of teams, the Steelers, the rest of these teams are talking about that the Jets? One week they look good, the next week they look like utter junk because they lack talent right now and they're completely inconsistent. They've got so many holes. Their running game is a. Awful. I mean, Steven Jackson had six yards on 11 carries. So it's not Jaquiz Rogers or those guys. It's the whole team. They have no defense. I'm ready to stick a fork in them. I know that we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but I think this team is done. Well, and on both sides of the line, their offensive line is a disaster. And on the defense, they have no pass rush, and they can't stop teams. That's how, how many games you're going to win. I said they were done three weeks ago. You did, and they have to go to Carolina and Green Bay, and they play the 49ers and the Seahawks, and the Saints are still on the schedule. The fork it, committee, we have to get together. It's over. We have to go in a conference room, <laughs> bagels, orange juice, coffee. Let's figure this out. We might, have to come, we might come out with a fork. Some locks? Can you eat locks, Mark? I don't know. It's like the first catered event I've ever been to, though, if that happens. <laughs> and that takes us to our... Final game of the week. It is Sunday night football game. You know, I don't know what we did as a people to get stuck with uh, another Vikings primetime game so so close to that abomination against the uh, Giants on Monday night, but we got another one tonight. A little more um, competitive, especially early on, but ultimately the Packers were too much here. Let's start with the fact that Aaron Rodgers made some of the best throws that we've seen. I thought Matthew Stafford was... His last drive was just so awesome today. And then Rodgers comes out and puts a couple of throws right away on the dime. And Jordy Nelson shows once again he's one of the top six or seven receivers in the NFL. That that throw, that Aaron Rodgers throw to Jordy Nelson for the first touchdown of the night for Green Bay was one of the most perfect passes you could ever throw. And it's a throw that I don't know how many people can make. Maybe Peyton Manning, maybe one or two other guys, maybe Breeze. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning no can't way. make that throw. Can't even think about he, it. He couldn't put enough arm on that. Well, Tough right, crowd, guys. Dan. Tough All crowd. Right, <laughs> Dan, I'm still your Get out of here, Dan. <laughs> um, it was a good throw. <laughs> All right? It was a very good throw. It, uh, I think I heard someone call it an ear burner. He had a couple of ear burners to Jordy Nelson. That, and there's going to be some clown in your office tomorrow that, well, he did great against the Vikings' pass defense because they're not that great at pass defense. But – it doesn't matter what the defense is when you're making those throws. Those are just sensational plays, and it's amazing to see him carry them with so many injuries around. It's a big win for Green Bay's defense, too, because they were stomped by Adrian Peterson last year, absolutely taking control by AP. And you know what? Like Green Bay's defense, uh, I'm coming around. I was critical of them early in the season. I think they're playing mm. a little more physical than we realized. Well, you know what? They are Unlike better. some football pundits, I'm able to admit when I'm wrong about something. Wow. What? I, I, okay. Well, I give me an example here. The entire nation, everyone that covers football, essentially. Anyone with an opinion on Carson Palmer in the last five years? <laughs> 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 That's right. Wes pointed that out in the newsroom, and he's dead on. Where, why can't the national... TV guys admit that Carson Palmer is sort of a disaster. You did have a We're Sessler about the Packers going 8-8, eight and eight, which is looking worse by the week. I think the definition of Sessler is changing slowly. <laughs> 
Um, it's funny you bring up their defense because they're doing this without their best defensive player and a couple other guys injured on defense, and they're playing really well. We're also, by the way, we're going to have to, if we're going to go into the conference room and talk Atlanta Falcons, the four committee, we're going to have to also talk oh, about yeah. the Vikings. So we're going to, you know, we'll have some locks, we'll have some scones. What other, what other nationality breakfast things do we want to get? Some us? croissants. Croissants, some I don't strudels. know if we need that much food to talk about. This will be a quick meeting with the Vikings. <laughs> I don't think we out there for a while. Let's relax a little. I think we deserve <laughs> some kickback time. <laughs> Somebody bring the iPod in and get the bows in. We listen to some tunes. Have a committee <laughs> meeting. Um, all right. That's it for the games. Uh, by the way, one more thing. Uh, Priyanka Chopra, international pop star. Uh, we spoke about her on Friday, uh, the singer of the Thursday Night Football theme. And uh, we wrote about her extensively last week on Around the League somehow in two different posts. Uh, retweeted something that I tweeted out about the end around column and Greg's guest ran. So that's pretty big time. We also got accused, and maybe rightfully so, from an outsider's point of view of basically touting our network's songstress, <laughs> but that's not the reason we like her. When you're right, you're right. I We're wish right. I was on the podcast Friday because ever since the beginning of the season, I don't understand why people criticize her. <laughs> it's ob so obviously a much better song than the Sunday Night See, song. See, here we go. I mean, 4.8 million followers all read your post, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Anderson. You have to feel like that's got to be <laughs> near the top of your Wait, career achievements. You you once interviewed Joe Namath? Or yeah, no? I did. Okay, I did. so that's that's maybe Joe number two. But now Priyanka's number one. Dan, you got a retweet from what is one of the biggest international actresses yes. on earth. And how many followers did you get from it? I got 3,500 followers. Just kidding, I got three. Three. <laughs> three. So, so there's some disconnect here between her fan base and... General football. Yeah, I think it's the English items. English language. Well, we're going to break it. down those <laughs> right, walls. Fair enough. We're going to break down those walls, and uh, maybe we'll do it uh, next week somehow. But for now, we're done. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday, uh, where we will. What's going on on Wednesday? We're going to just talk some football. Going to fork a few teams. Oh, we're going to get forking. We're going to look ahead to the Bengals and Dolphins. We're going to come up with some awards. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, that's what it is. We're going to do some midseason awards which people are excited about. There's been a lot of buzz nationally about that podcast topic, so get ready for that. Uh, so until then, uh, this is Dan Hansis signing off for The Mailman, The Sizzler, The Boss, K-Rich Behind the Glass, and of course, Lyle D'Entre. Until Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.